Welcome back to the Buzz on Business podcast. In this edition, Rachel Brown, a graduate assistant for the Riata Center for Entrepreneurship, speaks with problem-solving expert Russ Tubner, whose perseverance led him to the creation of a service that rides the swing of both preferences and times. Russ is the co-founder and CEO of HostBridge Technology and graduated from OSU with a bachelor's degree in management science and computer systems. He also volunteers as a member of the OSU Entrepreneurship Program's advisory board. Let's join Rachel as she visits with Russ. Russ, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. It's, um, this ought to be fun. I think so too. I just want to get us started and get to know you a little better and let our listeners get to know you a little better. So skim your resume. Oh my, at my age, skimming my resume, this could, it's, it's, it's hard, right? <laughs> um, I'm from Tulsa and uh, found my way to Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, a long time ago. I think it was actually 1974. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to be an architect, an engineer, something called a computer scientist at the time. Um, and I think my father, uh, w- quite worried that I might be heading toward the five-year plan, suggested that I major in business and kind of fill in my other interest areas over my life, over my career. So that's what I did. Uh, graduated from uh, the business school with a degree in management science and computer systems. Uh, my first job was actually working for OSU as a professional uh, member of their IT staff over in the Mass Sciences Building. Um, it's kind of a long story, but from there I started my first company a number of years later. Um, and uh, kind of found my niche in the world, or at least in the technology world. Uh, in late 90s, I sold that company to a much larger French software company. After a few years, uh, convincing myself that I was far more of an entrepreneur than a, than a company man, uh, I started my current company, Hostbridge Technology, in 2000. Tell us more about your companies. Well, uh, Hostbridge and my prior company, Tubner & Associates, which, by the way, was a fantastic company, a terrible name for a software company. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, back in the 80s, I didn't know any better. Um, but my niche in the industry, our niche as companies, as teams, has been developing software that helps large organizations tie together, or what we would say is integrate, their existing investments in technology with new and modern devices and applications. Gotcha. That sounds like a lot of hard work goes into creating companies like that, and I love the mission behind those companies, but what really motivates you each and every day to get up and continue on? You know, I think every uh, one thing is... um, I thrive on, uh, I guess, some degree of diversity. If I got up and did the same thing every day, I'd probably kind of wither. So always having a challenge. But I think more than to be more specific, it's solving a problem. I think one of the, one of the reasons that I really found a professional home kind of in the territory I did is that it's very much um, a problem-solving uh, exercise. So it's the day-to-day challenge that I thrive on. Absolutely, I, I think that's great. Um, 
so with these daily challenges, always learning, always growing, is there anything in particular you wish you would have known when you started being an entrepreneur? Oh my, wish I would have known. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that I wish I would have known is, and I don't, I'm not saying this just about me, but about all of us. I'm just as smart as the next guy. You're just as smart as the next woman, right? And I think sometimes, especially during the era I grew up in, um, you know, we, we always, I think I, I grew up thinking, well, you know, the people on the West Coast, those are the smart people in this area. Or the people, or the fashion industry, that happens over there. Or this, you know, the domain expertise in one area, oh, that's, that's over there in Chicago. And I think it was really, maybe we'll talk about mentors uh, later, but I think it was through a few of my mentors that really helped me understand that no, creativity, uh, innovation, work, effort, all of those attributes that lead to success, whether as an entrepreneur or not, all of those are not biased in any way by where you live, the fact that you grew up in Tulsa or Sepulpa or Hooker, Oklahoma. That is not a boundary. And I wish I'd kind of learned that a little quicker, just to believe in my own capacity as a, as a creative person. Creativity, passion, hard work, diligence, effort. These are characteristics that this university and its graduates have been known for for decades and decades. Absolutely. It's who we are. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned mentors and I, I'd love to talk to you more about that. You, People that have been influential in your life and your career as an entrepreneur, how did you meet those people? What are they like and their yeah. role in who you are now? Yeah, you know, I've been, I consider myself really fortunate and very blessed to have had a number of, of individuals cross my path. Some for a brief period, some for a longer period. Um, probably the, the first person I would really count as a genuine mentor was my boss when I worked at Oklahoma State University. Uh, actually, I began working for OSU as a part-time student employee in the, uh, what they call the University Computer Center. And uh, the gentleman who ran the center was named Dr. Robert Gum, or we just always called him Dr. Gum. Well, Dr. Gum had this um, uncanny ability to attract students into his program and, and develop them. And I got the privilege to be one of them. Just to demonstrate the legacy that he created, two of my most valuable employees at Hostbridge Technology also had their first job working for Dr. Gum at the University Computer Center. He would, he would, he would give us projects. He would give us things to do that were way beyond our years and our experience. I remember one time he gave me a project um, and it was way beyond anything I had done. Um, and I went into his office that one afternoon and I said, Dr. Gum, with all due respect, I shouldn't be doing this project. You should be having you know, this other person over there, they're a full-time employee, 
uh, they're the ones who should be doing this particular project. And he looked at it and he said, no, I disagree. Um, I want you to do it. I think you have the skills to do this and I want, I want you. So it's like, okay. And I think that was the semester I even dropped a class just to be able to make sure that I had enough time in my schedule to, to make him proud. And that is something that you know you have a mentor or that sort of a relationship when you work really hard to make them proud and not disappoint their belief in you. The third one that comes to my mind is a gentleman who's passed away named Dave McCormick. Dave took an interest in the technology I had developed in the 80s and on his own uh, dime uh, flew out to Stillwater to see uh, what I'd invented. And um, I still remember giving my very best dog and pony show in the basement of the Mass Sciences Building. And Dave didn't talk a lot. Um, and, and the words he did say were rather salty at times. Uh, but uh, I, I presented my whole spiel for this, this software product. And I said, Mr. McCormick, uh, Dave, what do you think? And he goes, I like it. And there's this big, long pause. And you know, it's just like, wow. It, I spoke for 45 minutes and he spoke, he said three words. I mean, this can't be the end of the conversation. So I said, well, Dave, why do you like it? And he said, well, I like it because it rides the swing. And he used those exact words. I'll never forget them. He said, I like it because it rides the swing. Now, I was completely confused. I've, I had no idea what he was trying to convey to me. And so I finally looked at him and I said, Dave, I've got no idea what you're trying to tell me. I'm sure it's important, but please unwrap this if you would. He said, well, Russ, never forget that in my lifetime, now that we were in the 80s, right? In my lifetime and all the way through your career as a technology uh, professional, um, the, the industry will behave, will swing from one, will, will behave like a pendulum over time it will swing from one set of preferences to another set of preferences, to this, to that. He said, in fact, sometimes it'll take, it'll look very much like a fashion-oriented industry, just swinging from preferences. Now, this is a guy who, um, this is in the 80s, right? And he was literally standing there predicting based upon his view of the industry and the world, the fact that we were going to move over time from a, a centralized approach to, to computing and technology to a decentralized approach. And he even predicted exactly where we are today in, in the world of a cloud-centric computing model, which is exactly, in some respects, opposite of what it was 20 years ago and in some respects bears a little bit of similarity to the landscape 40 years ago, right? Where you had this centralization, this aggregation of storage and compute power. We used to call it a mainframe. Now we call it the cloud, right? So, and he, so he was the one who gave me my business model because he said, Russ, you clearly have an aptitude for helping, for connecting dots. And what you've done is your technology helps organizations ride the swing from their use of existing technology to emerging technology. 
And it may not be the sexiest part of the software and technology industry, but if you camp out right there, you will always be in well, business. I know one thing we try to talk a lot about through our entrepreneurship program at OSU, through the Riata Center, is the very realistic aspects of being an entrepreneur. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm curious what kind of sacrifices you had to make in order to get to where you are today. Well, um, there are some. There are clearly sacrifices along the way. And, and they're not all your sacrifices, right? Um, you know, when I chose to start my first software company, um, I was married and had 1.5 children, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and so, you know, there was a period of time, about uh, almost two years, where I would do my full-time job for OSU. I would go home, I'd eat dinner, I'd play with the kids, help clean up a little bit, I'd get back in the car, and I'd sit in the basement of the Mass Sciences Building from about eight to midnight and write code. And that was pretty much life at least five days a week. So, and of course, I'm not at home. I'm not helping. So it's not my, it's not just my sacrifice. It's, um, it, it's a shared sacrifice. Um, certainly, I, you know, so yeah, there, there are lots of sacrifices, um, I think relationally along the way. Hopefully you can find ways to kind of strike a balance. Um, but I'll be honest, I, when, I, when I get to, even here at OSU, when I get to speak to a room full of would-be entrepreneurs, um, boy, there's a certain degree of fantasy and magical thinking uh, that, that, that's in the room about what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And um, it's... Uh, so, you know, starting the conversation off with sacrifice is a good place to start that. When you come and speak to students in particular about entrepreneurship and these fantasies that they may have about entrepreneurship, how do you debunk those and what, what exactly are people's misconceptions? Yeah, well, the number, you know, if I, w I should have kept score over the past years as I've had these chats with would-be entrepreneurs. But the, the one that's most entertaining, uh, you know, you, you have a room full of really um, energetic, um, you know, would-be entrepreneurs, and, and I, I just like to look at them and say, why? Why do you want to be an entrepreneur? And the, um, it never fails that somewhere in the top five, you'll, you'll get things like, I want more freedom, right? Uh, another one is, um, I want to make more money. Um, you know, I want to be my own boss. Um, and, and while th there, you know, there can be elements of all of those in, in your entrepreneurial journey, I can promise you, you will experience very few of those in, in the first five years, maybe even the first 10 years. Um, you know, in fact, it's um, because most entrepreneurs that I know who are just getting started out, they're dumping, the, you know, they're dumping their available finances into their gig, into their business, right? They're spending every day and every night pursuing that passion as well they should be. 
So this is not, um, you know, maybe those things will ultimately come about. But um, if that's your passion, I want to be an entrepreneur so I can make more money, so I can have more time, so I can have greater balance in life, all of those things. Well, I don't, my personal opinion is none of those are sufficient drivers to get someone to a point of success. So I, I'm always, so if someone says those things, my next question is, but what do you want to do, right? And, and it's almost as though they've spent more time thinking about the attributes of their fantasy lifestyle than the what are you going to do to get there. And I think that's really, really important because uh, just, just aspiring to be, quote, an entrepreneur or, I mean, if you say, I want to be an entrepreneur, that's not like saying, when I grow up, I want to be an astronaut, you know, it, it, because it's a little more amorphous, right? You got to have some precision there. What do you want to do? What industry do you want to go for? What niche are you interested in? But how have you continued to learn and stay on top of or even ahead of the curve as the years have gone by? I'm not sure that the, that the question of ongoing learning is so much of a how do you do that uh, answer. It's more uh, a matter of you must do that. And if that doesn't sound intriguing to you, eh, you know, you might want to work for Procter & Gamble. <laughs> I, I don't you know, <laughs> but you know, the, if, Entrepreneurs have just got to stay at the edge, at the leading edge of, of whatever domain they're choosing to work at. And so, which necessitates a lot of learning. So as you look forward and look to the next thing and the next thing, if you could remove all barriers and constraints right now, what project would you do? Oh, it would have nothing to do with technology, <laughs> I can assure you. It would have to do with the building on the northwest corner of 7th and Main in downtown Stillwater. Um, one of the things, part of my journey as an entrepreneur is that I chose to keep my companies here in Stillwater and so I needed places to put people and rather than building a building on the outskirts of town about 30 years ago or a little bit more now, I decided I'm just going to buy buildings in the downtown uh, part of Stillwater and renovate them and use them as, as a bit of an investment, but mostly for my own company to house people. Um, so hence, I was kind of, I was making good on what my, my father suggested and that I kind of work out my other angsts uh, dealing with art and architecture and design um, more as an avocation than a vocation. So um, a number of years ago, I had the opportunity to acquire this very stately building on the northwest corner of 7th and Main. Uh, we've already triaged it to save it as a historical structure. Um, but um, yeah, so if I could wave a magic wand and resources were not a constraint, um, I, would, I would magically transform that building into, let's see, uh, the base, it has this really killer basement. It would be the coolest bar within 50, 60, 100 miles 
The first floor would be a glorious farm-to-table uh, restaurant, unlike anything we have currently, and the top floor would be a, a killer hospitality space. Well, I can't wait for those things to come <laughs> to <laughs> fruition. Um, but as we kind of start to wrap this up, we have a lightning round that we're going to go through. You told me about this, and you didn't tell me what the... Uh, you, you said I couldn't prepare. No, this is fast, quick, on your feet. Your Ooh. first reaction to these questions, I don't think right. they'll be too hard. Okay. So I'm going to give the question, and you just you give me your quick answer. Okay. Ready? Favorite Halloween candy? Uh, Snickers Bite Size. Marvel or DC? Marvel. First place you want to travel after the pandemic? Oh, oh my. Um, no one's asked me that. <laughs> um, um, let's see. Um, Seattle. Okay, any particular reason? Some really good friends there. That's always a good, good reason to go somewhere. I'd be on a plane to Scotland as soon as I can. <laughs> Do you have a hype up song? No. No. <laughs> would you, if you had to pick, would you go to the mountains or the beach? Um, if I could go to the beach and hear crashing waves, definitely the beach. Okay. Waves are magical to me. Mm. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, sleeping on demand. That would be convenient. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one a lot. All right, and the last one, are you an early bird or a night owl? Night owl, no, no, not even close. <laughs> all right, well, Russ, thank you so much for the questions and um, all the imparting wisdom. I, I appreciate getting to talk to you today. Well, it was a lot of fun. Thank I'm you glad. very much for Absolutely. the opportunity.